A topic that is of significant importance to our children and high on their agenda is the issue of the environment. Um, this has been helped by people such as David Attenborough. And I'm really proud of the way in which the students at St Edwards and other schools speak with such passion about this cause. I'm delighted that joining me in this episode is the CEO of Maple Power, a joint venture that invests in and manages offshore wind projects in Europe. I should also declare a personal interest in that he and I both attended the same school a few years ago. And our move to Cheltenham, among many other benefits, has provided the opportunity for me to reconnect with old friends. So Toby Edmonds, welcome to Heads Up. Thanks, great to be here. I do not know um, of a single person who does not want to do the right thing uh, regarding the environment. And whether you approach this from the belief of stewardship or just wanting to ensure future generations have a wonderful world as well. The, um, the issue of sustainability is one that we all talk about, um, but how do we go about measuring this? Yeah, so, so sustainability is, is obviously key to addressing uh, the climate emergency that we're all, we're all facing. And, you know, you can measure sustainability in a number of ways. And in fact, companies now will be required by law to publish their figures on sustainability um, but it, it goes to everybody across the entire society needs to understand that they've got a role to play in it. Uh, and really, they need to make sure that they're making smart choices, the right choices for things that are sustainable. And it's always pretty obvious um, when you're making choices in your daily life, whether it's a sustainable choice or not. You know, everyone has the opportunity to influence the sustainability agenda by making Relatively small choices, but when you aggregate those up, they make a big difference. I am um, the current role that you have and, and the, the the company that you're with. I know is at the cutting edge of technology with regards to wind um, and offshore. But I know that you're also refining legacy projects um, that that have been going for some time with with offshore wind. But um, there are many renewable sources of energy, but there's obviously a cost associated with them and even with the recent rises in, in the cost of traditional sources of energy. Some leaders in, in those traditional sources um, refer to the subsidies to the renewables. And I wondered how we could promote renewables, but also push to make it higher on people's priorities. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we are in the middle of an energy crisis right now. I'm sure you've seen in the press that uh, gas prices are skyrocketing. Uh, and that gives us, you know, some, some big challenges and concerns. I mean, Governments, regulators and, and indeed the economy at large needs to wrestle with what they call the energy trilemma. So this is about making energy affordable, reliable and also green. And uh, What you're referring to about about subsidies is, is really that, you know, we all want green power. We all want to be more renewable, but it, it does come at a cost. And in fact, it also has implications for reliability, which is what we're seeing at the moment. Um, since I joined the industry in the 90s, it was like a long time ago, uh, when I started, you know, 40% of the power in the UK came from renewable sources, and only a very small fraction came from, uh, sorry, came from coal, and only a very small fraction came from, from renewables. And now here we are, uh, quite a few years later, but now 40% of power comes uh, from renewables in the UK. The UK uh, has led on climate change. We're the, we have decarbonized faster than any of the other top 20 economies in the world. So, so we've made great strides, um, but it, it does come at a price. And it's about balancing that 
those three things around affordability, reliability, and, and green that's that's so important. Um, what uh, what I've been doing is developing offshore wind farms for the last, I think, twenty years, something like that. So we, I was involved right with the very first project called North Hoyle off the north coast of Wales, um, and that was, you know, that was in the nineties, uh, and things have things have moved on a lot, and we're getting better and better at making renewable energy affordable. The cost of offshore wind, for example, has dramatically dropped in that period. And that's really around innovation, both with refining existing assets and making them perform better, but also making new, more advanced uh, wind turbines that are able to capture more energy, convert it more efficiently and deliver it uh, to the UK economy and the the global economy. Offshore wind is, is taking off globally. And that innovation, you know, that's something that's really, really important. I think for for young people starting out, you know, they can have a huge impact by really focusing on innovation in their career and what they do. I think that's what will ultimately make it affordable and address some of the critics of the high costs uh, and the challenges that come with that. If we can get smarter about how we do things, Uh, get more organized, you know, think about smart grids and smart energy systems, then that's going to reduce the cost because there is a cost to pay to to change the way we do things. But we can do that with minimal interruption and hopefully by minimizing cost through innovation of all the aspects of the the energy system. I mean, it's always the case, isn't it, that no one wants to pay more than they have to with regards to it. But I, I often draw a parallel here with with fair trade products, you know, when fair trade first burst onto the scene and it was not a lot, but but more expensive in terms of the food items and, and even now the clothing items, but people felt really good about the fact they were doing the right thing. And, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of here is that I think 98% of our utilities come from renewables and we've made sure that we've signed deals with companies to make sure that that is the case. Because I think you've got to, you know, if you're asking people to do it, you've got to, you've got to do it yourselves, haven't you? And I think, you know, whilst we're in that, I don't want to say transitional phase, because it's been a long time, hasn't it, in terms of where we are, I think there is a case, and I think lots of people would want to do the right thing, even if initially it costs them a little more to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's always a bit of a misconception about, about cost. If you carry on living your life in the same way with the same energy intensity, so that the amount of energy you use uh, and you make you make often green choices or sustainable choices, of course, uh, in some cases that will come at a premium and you'll spend more. But actually, the smartest thing you can do is to use less energy, is to make choices that involve using less energy. It's like, you know, the story you were telling me earlier about deciding to walk to school. You know, those those kinds of choices actually don't cost you anything, may actually benefit your well-being, but also just cut the amount of energy that you're using. So so I think, yes, you know, some of these things are more expensive, but um, we can all make better choices, um, not necessarily just to pay the premium, but also to, to reduce the amount of energy that we use. Um. A word that's used a lot by our young people is respect. And this is, of course, used in a variety of contexts. But with the topic that we're discussing today, I wonder how you feel we can live respectfully with the land, its resources and with one another. Because it kind of gets to the crux of what we're talking about, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that 
especially that point about respect for one another you know often uh <clears throat> people's attitude towards climate change and sustainability is that it's the government's problem or it's somebody else's problem to solve uh, and i think you know we need to be respectful of the fact that it's it's all of us we're in this together to to solve this issue and i think that you know just reminding ourselves that we're we we have you know, the rest of the world and the population and future generations to be respectful of uh, is quite important in terms of what motivates uh, people to make a change. And I think it's about that, having respect for that and taking ownership uh, of, of this issue that we all face and saying, no, I respect the people around me and, and, and I respect the fact that we need to look after the planet, the environment, uh, to safeguard it for future generations. And I think that's that's key because you can't argue with that. You know, that is the right thing to do by any measure. Um, that's what should be driving all of this, uh, not just saving money or re reducing carbon. You know, we're, we're doing this for a greater purpose, which is respect for the environment and, and those people that share share this wonderful planet. I get a little philosophical on you now, and that's that's because of my philosophy and politics degree. I think probably more than anything else. Certainly, I think you and I were very fortunate when we were at school, and you know, I'm fortunate now to be a, a member of a community with people that want to belong. Um, but I, I spent time studying in the states, and and have seen pressure groups on on all sides of things being very forthright um, in terms of how they go about wanting to ensure that their their side, their point of view, is the only one that that's heard of. And I wondered what you think about how we can create the kind of communities that you and I had at school where or the, the community that I think we have in, in lots of schools now, but beyond schools. And I know that's challenging, but and I suppose that the connection here is between culture and conscience. And that's where the philosophy, I suppose, comes in a bit. But what do you think about that? Um, I think that... Uh... You know, it's 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 really important that people uh, in communities work together uh, and have that that conscience. You know, it shouldn't be a sort of guilt free existence. Uh, people people need to understand the consequences of their of their actions. I think for me, at least, you know, I've been uh, taking part in public exhibitions um, for new wind farm projects. And there's always a great degree of uh, concern and fear, you know, what, what does this mean for the local environment? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm scared, I don't understand. Uh, and often, you know, you get into this, this phase of, of, of people shouting louder uh, and arguing. And, and one of the key, the key things I've always found as the most effective is around listening and engaging with people. So the, you, you really need to avoid this, you know, shouting statistics or, or, or letting emotion come into these things. And you really need to understand other people's perspectives. So my my advice to anybody is, you know, you really need to talk to, listen to and try and understand uh, the concerns of, of others around why, you know, they're taking a particular position or why they're lobbying for or against, you know, the, the renewables transition. And, and if by understanding those concerns, you can potentially work together to address them and then you, you get really good buy-in from whoever the, the stakeholder group is that, that you're dealing with. So I think, you know, I'm all for a bit of protesting. Uh, I think that does draw attention to, to key issues. But at the same time, I think listening and engaging and understanding uh, is, is really important to try and move past 
that sort of conflict that can emerge around renewables projects and the energy transition? I think you're absolutely right. I did a, a church a chapel service at a, a local prep school the other week, and the main theme of my my talk to them was listening is more powerful than talking. And I think, you know, certainly in this country, we've had an interesting last four, five, six years, haven't we, around perhaps not listening um, yeah. and just talking and talking louder and talking over people. Um, and it's it's really difficult to try and change that. And in, actually, even now, it's, it's happening with various people looking to blame decisions that were made four or five years ago on situations that we find ourselves in now. And I've always taken the view and, you know, being, being head of a school the last two years has not been interest, not been without challenges, particularly around GCSEs and A-levels. But we can't get involved in politics because ultimately what we're talking about are our children um, and their futures. And there's no point, you know, shouting down or blaming people because I, I take the view that no one actively goes out to disadvantage you know, children or, or, or members of our, of our society. Um, but we just have different philosophical points of view. And, and actually an appreciation of those and maybe even a middle ground is sometimes the best way to go about. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think that's, that's, that's the key. And I, and I think, you know, just getting that conversation going is, is really, really important. There are lots of different stakeholder groups, uh, all with a vested interest in this uh, energy transition happening. Uh, but all with different concerns. And, and we can't let, you know, the, the clash of concerns be the reason that we we stagnate and don't move ahead as quickly as we can with the energy transition. I always enjoy reading and listening to Matthew Saeed, and he's done a lot recently around diversity um, in teams and in leadership. And I think it's exactly the point that you've just made. You want to make sure that in your teams or in the conversations that you have, you've got that variety of views um, rather than just a bunch of yes men or, or women who, who will tell you what you want to hear rather than what you should be hearing. It's interesting. I always say, you know, say that in education, we can we can learn from every field, every industry. You know, let, let's take things. I mean, sport's an easy, an easy thing to do in terms of that. But actually, and Matthew Said, I suppose, kind of, links to that as a former former table tennis player himself but um he, he he talks about the fact and i like it that you need to have that diversity in your team and i know that's a, a current and a trendy thing to talk about but actually it's very very true and and just as important in the topic that we're discussing yeah i mean i i've been doing large uh these massive capital projects they cost billions uh, of pounds to deliver so they're they're very large projects they involve thousands of people and, you know, statistics will tell you that 70% of large capital projects fail to be delivered on time and on budget. And yet all of the projects I've worked on have, have come in on time and on budget. And indeed, in the you know, offshore wind industry, we've got a pretty good track record. And I think that's driven by exactly the point you make about diversity, uh, having diverse teams. So offshore wind projects are delivered by people from all over the world with lots of different disciplines and lots of different cultures and opinions. Uh, and that creates a really potent mix for um, constructive projects where you don't just blindly follow uh, directions uh, from the top and everyone says, yes, you actually, you actually work as a team. And I think the skills that your pupils learn at school with things like uh, team sports, but also other things like debating uh, clubs like the CCF, uh, the stuff that you do there, is all is all really really good. And, and I think one of the one of the great skills um, that the children that I was fortunate enough to pick up at school is is when things don't quite go your way. You know, when your team doesn't win or you lose 
you know, you lose a particular event or you get lost on Duke of Edinburgh and you've got to you've got to deal with that because, you know, I'm all for planning. Uh, but obviously in execution, things always go wrong. And it's a great it's a great kind of life lesson uh, for pupils to experience that and, and learn that skill of dealing with uh, things going wrong and not going your way. And that's where diversity really kicks in because, you know, typically we have one way of approaching things. And if you've got a diverse group, um, then they'll come up with other ideas, other solutions, uh, and then that can that can really make the difference. So I think that's that's absolutely key to uh, to having successful projects. It is about it is about teamwork and it is about how groups of people come together to solve a to solve a problem. The um the theme of leadership is is a common theme that's run through um, all of the, the podcasts in this series. But the message that I'm always clear to point out to to our pupils, our, our children, is that success doesn't happen overnight, um, and that we we've all experienced challenges in our, in our lives. Um, and I've got to stop sharing those challenges and those failures because otherwise I'll get in trouble with the trustees. You will then wonder why they appointed me as, as head. <laughs> but I wonder if you could think of a time when perhaps you've failed or experienced a challenge, but also what that experience taught you about yourself and, and helped shape who you are today. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, so, there's so many examples. I think, you know, one of the one of the great things, and I think it's you know it's it's a hallmark of a of a good leader, is that they they do tell you about their about the challenges and the things they've they've got wrong. It's it, you know it's it's such a cliche, but you learn so much more uh, from from the things you you get wrong. Um, you know, I I was involved in a in a big project a few years ago called the Galloper Wind Farm, and we were we were desperately trying to make the projects or finance the project and, and allow it to go ahead and and we failed and it was in it was cancelled it was shelved and it and you know I was the one that had to tell the team uh, that we hadn't been able to do it and in reality um that the reason it had failed is is we we got a very narrow sort of group think about how we were going to do the project and it simply wasn't going to be economic uh to build it and so Rather than uh, just accept that, you know, having stopped the project, told the team it's not happening, we actually got together a group of us and said, right, how are we going to now make this project happen? And, and we felt a great weight lifted because it had been cancelled and we'd stopped uh, the project. We were actually able to turn it into a positive and say, well, look, the project's cancelled. So let's have all the ideas on the table. Uh, and working as a small group over the next year, we managed to get the project changed reorganized and got it approved and successfully built it in 2018 so I think it's that don't give up uh, mentality I think the, the lesson I take from that is I think with the benefit of hindsight we all knew we were heading towards the wrong answer but we just <clears throat> we just kept going and if we'd stopped sooner and just taken a breath stood back and, and looked at it we might have decided to to make that change sooner so for me you know, that lesson was all about, you know, you, you can often get caught in, you know, doing and following a particular plan and, and keep going, keep going. But actually, if you're able to stop, stand back and say, hang on a minute, is this really going to going to work? That skill, you know, is, is, is extremely valuable. And, and that comes back to your diversity point is if you've got a diverse group, somebody's going to feel able and empowered to stand up and say, hang on, everyone. <laughs> 
this this uh, this is heading in the wrong direction. Let's 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 pause and think about it. Toby, um, I just want to to thank you so much for for giving of your time to to record this particular episode. It's it's a it's a topic that's been high on my agenda for a, for a number of years, and I think working with children as I do, it becomes, you, you see how important it is to them um, that we're doing something about it and keeping keeping it high on the agenda. I, I, I've certainly picked up lots of interesting points from you with regards to that, and I know the listeners to this podcast will as well. It's um, I should take the opportunity to, miss you, to wish you and everyone at Maple Power the, the best of luck, you know, at the moment, but also for, for the many future projects that I know you're already working on now. And just thank you very much for your time. Thank you, it's been a pleasure.